morning, America. It is your favorite host, the Cajun Libertarian of the Cajun Libertarian Live. I am going to be talking with Dave Smith, the man, the myth, the legend, tonight on this very special episode of the Cajun Libertarian Live. So tune in and stay tuned in. Get into the comment section. It doesn't matter if you're a hater, if you're a lover, or anywhere in between. Let's figure out how we, as a community, can band together and disband the government in any possible way, absolutely possible. Stay tuned. Coming up next on the Case Libertarian Live. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Cajun Libertarian Live. I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian. So don't forget to follow me on YouTube, Instagram, or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the notifications bell so that every time I go live with amazing guests like Dave Smith, Spike Cohen, and all of the alike, you can be the first to hear it, first and foremost here. And then follow me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, we're live streaming now to float. Obviously, Facebook, which is my... Uh, original platform and then i am now venturing over to tiktok we'll see how long that lasts before they censor me completely as they have already done before we get started we have breaking news as you can see that is very breaking and very significant by this physical piece of paper that i am holding right here in my hand that has no words on it uh turns out according to the durham report that the russian collusion story was fake and hillary clinton is corrupt absolutely fantastic Thank you. We had no idea. Let's get to Dave. <laughs> What's up, bro? That is that was incredible news. The way <laughs> the way you. you delivered it too, I really believed it. I was like, "This is a professional newsman." I like this. <laughs> well, that was a that was part of the stick. I'm super surprised that this is a major right wing talking point right now. Like, oh my god, you're you're shocked that the uh, the Russian collusion story was fake and that Hillary Clinton is corrupt. How on earth did you just now arrive to that deduction? Oh God. And I hate just like the, um, the Republican, like the, the kind of like always what you can expect from them, boring talking points. Well, we're going to investigate more and we're going to get to the bottom of this. And it's like, no, you won't. You're going to like grandstand and then nothing will happen. Nothing's going to happen to any of these people. Even Rand Paul, who I love so much, like, I, you know, and I really just love him because he's Ron Paul's kid. Uh, but right. even he's been so great on the whole COVID thing. I mean, just so great grilling Fauci and like, he's been the best, the best, like, yeah. you know, public elected official on on all this stuff but he said something a couple weeks ago where he was like you know he was like if the republicans take back the congress we will have a full investigation of fauci and all this and you're like oh dude just i just don't believe it at all i remember the democrats talking about how they'd have a full investigation against bush's war crimes i remember the you know all the investigation talk about you know uh benghazi and all this and you know just everything and all these investigations ever do is we basically figure out that the government's been lying to us this whole time no one gets punished and we move yep. on 
it's it's hilarious because uh, Heiss and I were talking yesterday, long talk, some of which about well, I, I want to talk with you about in regards to Yemen. Uh, you really opened my eyes with that on Joe Rogan. But it's funny because we've been doing this even like you just said with George Bush. Uh, Republicans did it with Barack Obama and then Democrats went ahead and did it again with Donald Trump. It's like you keep making up crap that is non significant when there is actually things that these people should be tried for namely war crimes yeah yeah and i I mean with yes absolutely i completely agree and with with the trump thing i mean what was significant about that and I, i i really spent so much time on my podcast talking about this but but you know it's almost been eclipsed by covid because this is just, you know, now now we're living through the rise of totalitarianism across the West, uh, across Western civilization. But it was really what the actual story, like the alleged story was the biggest story ever that the sitting U.S. president was a Russian asset. I mean, that's a really big deal if that's true. But the actual story was equally as big, which is that the uh, the intelligence agencies framed the sitting president for being a traitor to right. his country, a Russian asset, which is the real story there. And that is a I mean, that is a pretty big deal like that's you know, there, there's a lot of stuff the government does. And um, it's not as if, you know, I saw that guy, uh, Jim Jordan tweeted uh the other day um and he's been one of the guys <laughs> leading the charge on this but he tweeted he goes you know if they can spy on the president they can spy on anyone and it's like right. nah dude you got that all backward it's that if they can right. spy on anyone then i guess they also have the power to spy on the president but still there is something even as a libertarian an anarcho-capitalist who doesn't believe the government should exist at all i still go there's something about doing it to the sitting president of the United States. That is like a bit more, that's, that's a bit more than just framing like a a, a random person. Not that it's any more evil, but that it just seems like more of a significant story that even the person who was like duly elected by the process, you know, and uh, under the constitution and all of this, that you would frame that guy for treason essentially is really a remarkable story and the fact that almost no one has been punished i think one lawyer who uh forged some documents has been punished over it but that's basically it and and right. we really know at this point that the whole thing was a big fraud and uh yeah. the fact that there aren't you know like it, the people would say that uh they go uh, you know trump is like a dictator it's like well i mean if you try to frame a dictator and get busted <laughs> usually the results would be something like you know you being put up against a wall or something like that and no, nothing even remotely close to that has happened and it's uh i don't know no, no, no. not that i want people put against a wall, put up against right. a wall but like a trial and then convicted that would be nice right 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 no yeah it's funny because uh, all those people that, that i even saw tweets from people saying that we toppled a dictator like you understand that you don't vote dictators out, right? <laughs> yeah. people buy, this is a problem. I don't, I, I don't necessarily have it. I, I do have an issue with it. So let me frame that differently. I have an issue with these people spreading this disgusting propaganda, of course. But my more important issue is that the vast majority of people are going along with it. Yeah. They just believe it. And they just continue to spread this dissent and hate 
and it's just created this massive caveat and divide amongst our community. Yeah, well, I mean, there's the, there's no question that people are picking sides. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't going along with it, you know, for sure. And okay. there's, um, you know, it's uh, the, the bigger that it, it to me, the way I look at it is like, the size and scope of government has grown exponentially uh, since really, you know, really for the last hundred years or so. But, you know, exponential growth is crazy. Nice. Like it's it takes off and takes off toward toward the end. Like if you look at it on a curve, it's like and so we're in that nice. part of it where it's really spiking up. And of course, the last two years under the covid regime have just been insane. But as the government gets bigger and bigger, of course, you know, the the fight gets crazier and crazier because we're fighting over who's going to, especially in a somewhat democratic system, it, it turns into right. this culture war where everyone's fighting over who gets control of it. But, you know, to, to say like, oh, there's like, uh, oh, my God, our, you know, the talking points from the corporate press are all like, oh, my God, you know, democracy is under attack. And there was this, this insurrection. And oh, my God, what if we lose democracy? And then meanwhile, you look over at what's happening in Canada right now, and like a legitimate, you know, mass protest by the working class is being snuffed out by a totalitarian government invoking uh, unprecedented emergency powers, you know, so like, I mean, it's like right out of like, like, you're like, yeah, this will be written about in history. I mean, this is yeah. this is like textbook fascism. And uh, so, again, a lot of people are against that, but it's um, it's unbelievable that, like, it almost makes you realize you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, there are people who support that. There are people who yeah. are for it. And it's, it's absolutely, it shouldn't be wild to us, right? We, we should understand and expect, it, expect this at this point. But the way the media is covering what's happening in Canada is absolutely beyond atrocious in, in, if I don't advocate for this, but it's damn near criminal. I mean, it's damn near, they're risking lives, they're risking literally the Western way of life over the way our media is treating what's happening in Canada right now, where you're, you're witnessing in real time a true di dictatorship who literally is only implementing these policies based on political decisions that he doesn't like. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, if you talk about the media being borderline criminal, right, and I, I get what you're saying there, like, okay, they should have the right. freedom of speech, even if they're yeah. saying really, really messed up things. But yeah. If you think about it like this, right, think about the, the war propaganda that's been coming out <laughs> over the Ukraine, uh, Russia right. situation, right? I mean, look, there is no evidence, at least no evidence that's been presented to the American people that Russia is going to invade Ukraine. I know the State Department said the other day, well, we have evidence there's going to be a false flag <laughs> attack or something, which, by the way, sets off my conspiracy spidey yeah. senses. Like, oh, you have evidence that they're going to claim there's a false flag attack? Maybe you have plans to make this a false flag. But anyway, um, look, if Russia did take over Ukraine, I'm not saying that's good, but... Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. I mean, it was, I, I don't know, like, it, it, you know, where exactly should lines on a map be drawn? Is it is it such a foregone conclusion that, like, you know, 
that, you know, Mexico shouldn't be three miles, you know, further up right. or that we, America shouldn't be three miles further down or I, I, I don't know. But if they were, you're talking about when you're talking about the United States of America and Russia, you're talking about two countries that possess 90% of the world's nuclear arsenal. And to even start pushing war propaganda between those two countries, you're like, holy shit. I mean, you got, you know, when you talk about this being criminal, like you guys are risking everything. Like you're, you're so, it, it, forget even like whether we think they're right or wrong or corrupt or honest, just how reckless it is to, to be like pushing this stuff that you're like, dude, this will kill you too. Like this will kill you and your family. Forget like all the other families you don't care yeah. about. Like that, and and so yeah, it is that there is um, it's it's really unbelievable how uh, how how reckless they are, and how how much they are willing to support something that can endanger so many people. You know, it's it, it's it, unbelievable. It's almost like they would make foreign policy policy decisions just to increase poll numbers i'm just saying it's just like i'm not saying it is i'm just saying it's a lot like that yeah that maybe <laughs> just maybe they would they would dictate foreign policy procedures based on how the american public views them at the moment i don't know that that's true i'm just saying it sure does seem like that right right yeah, I, was, I, I wanted to ask you this real quick. Um, did you see what number episodes you were on Joe Rogan's, uh, on your recent Joe Rogan? Okay, you've been on Joe Rogan a bunch. Did you see the episode number that you were on Joe Rogan's podcast? Yeah, one one shot. One shot. Damn it. Damn I it. Know. That was uh, the one I was talking about. I wanted to... Yeah. I know it's a good, come on, you don't have one in the can, Joe, that you could release before me and then give me right. that sweet, that sweet 1776 number? Yeah. yeah. You know, Joe, I'm really upset. He should really do more for my career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, I don't know what he's thinking about right now. Come on, you know, man. He's certainly not the center of attention in the uh, <laughs> internet world right now, so... I'm not sure what the hell he's got going on. <laughs> Damn it, Joe Rogan. I know you watch this podcast. Next yes. time, make sure that uh, Dave Smith is number 1776. I was really hoping that I would catch you off guard with that one, that you were so busy <laughs> that you didn't know that no, that's I what did. happened. I did notice that. I did uh, uh, not till after it came out, of course, but uh, I, right. I did notice that. But it's crazy uh, that, um, like, I think the first one I was on – it was in the 600s somewhere. And so it was kind of crazy to be like, oh, that's... And I just noticed it because it was one shy of 1776. But I will... By the way, I'm not a fucking... You know, I'm no historian. But I will say, I bet in 1775 some shit was popping off. Like They were getting ready yeah. for 1776. So, you know, yeah. I bet there were some conversations happening then. So maybe that's maybe that's the perfect uh, number for me. It was like, yeah, this is the fuck... This is the conversation right before you know we're about to be in the, the revolution i don't know i thought about that yesterday morning when i was like stewing over this and i was like man i hope to god he doesn't know he was 1775 <laughs> and not 1776 and i was thinking like you know what but this could be like kind of a, a precursor no, uh, numerical destiny right maybe that's what but, it is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there you go. yeah but um there was something else that stuck it there were several things that stuck out to me big time one of the um, 
besides that little hum- humorous, one of the other things that stuck out to me big time was was a extremely relevant and applicable uh, saying or slogan that you you let go in that pot right at the beginning of it. You said that we have, for some reason, become allergic to harsh truths. And I could not agree more. But tell us, because Joe just sped right through that. And I thought this was so freaking important as to what's going on in the culture war today. I would ask you to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, well, I, it's it's been a uh, something that's um, I've thought about for a long time. I, I remember uh, I read this book that I highly recommend to people. It's nothing to do with libertarianism, by the way, but the, a book that I really recommend to people. Uh, it's called uh, Oh, geez, so many years ago I read it, but it's called Generation Me, uh, and it's nice. by uh, uh, Gene Twenge or Twenge. Or something like that. I, I apologize. I don't. I don't even know. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say the author's name out loud. I just have read it, so I don't even know how to pronounce it or anything like that. But I believe that's the book, Generation Me. And um, I thought it was really fascinating. She's like a, a sociologist or a psychologist who wrote this whole book about like our generation um, or, or the current generation. And she was talking about um, how uh, much how, how much how much more self-absorbed the current generation is than previous generations. And that, you know, there was such, there was so, like for for all of human history, so much of it has been like um, uh, uh, based around tradition and these things like, you know, God, country, you know, family, chivalry, like all of these kind of like, uh, uh, you know, and I know libertarians might have a little bit of a problem with this, but in a sense, collective uh, traditions, and that that's really broken down, and we're in this this age of kind of radical individualism. And just just to caveat this before I, I bother too many libertarians, you know, I think it's important to to understand that libertarians are not in this sense we're we're not. I, I these words are used in different ways, but. When you talk about collectivism versus individualism, th- th- this might be, you know, libertarians might say, well, we're against collectivism and for individualism. But really what we're fa- for is voluntarism versus, versus coercion, right? So right. we're not so much for, like against groups and for the individual. We're for voluntary association and against forced yep. association. So the the point that she was making really had nothing to do with any of this, but she was just talking about how self-absorbed uh, people are today. And even down to the fact that like we, you know, she goes through all of this, like even, even down to the fact that we wear uh, clothes that are comfortable. Like this is a very new thing. There's a very new thing that like, people, you know, you wear clothes that are comfortable because it's like, well, I want to feel good about me. No one ever thought this way through human history, you you were uncomfortable, you laced up boots and tied them up tight and stiffened a rope around your neck that they called a tie, you know what I mean? And you right. did what you had to do because that's what would make other people feel good about you and it was, it was all about what's good for other people and this kind of greater sense of community. And there's something wonderful about that, 
there's something wonderful about the el- uh, the uh, um the individual being elevated but there's also something kind of tragic about losing this sense of community and anyway one of the things she talked about in the book too was uh that idea and and that really stuck with me that if you look at uh she was saying if you look at what people would say two generations ago three generations ago it would be things like you know your your grandmother like what would her advice to you be it'd be like Hmm. harsh truths like you know even silly like wash your hands with soap and water you know that was like it would be like uh don't give the milk away or no one wants to buy the cow you know like this would be like the type of thing they would tell girls like something like that and today you have all of this uh stuff that's like um you gotta love yourself before you can love anyone else you gotta, you gotta be you. You have to put you first. You have to be all these things that it, it seems almost like the uh, the intent is to be nice rather than tell the harsh truth. And I, this to me, I um, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like the idea. Like as an adult, I don't like the idea of someone being kind to me rather than telling me the truth. I like the give it to me straight, you know, like yeah. let, that's that's more what like whatever. Maybe it's a, a personality trait or something like that. But I, I like the idea of like, no, let's be honest about what this is. Let's really tell the truth and then I can make my own decisions. And it seems to me like our culture really lacks that, really lacks the ability to say like, you know, even with, with the COVID stuff, it's like no one was ever re- – I, I remember uh, Joe Biden – when he was running for president, he said uh, in in the first debate he did after COVID really hit, they did this one debate, uh, him and Bernie Sanders, where they were like super far apart. And it was just them two. And there was like the social distance debate. And there was no audience and all of this because COVID and all this. And Joe Biden said, whatever happens, you know, through COVID, the government will make you whole. We will fix whatever this is like there were there, you know, we will and I mean, come on, dude. Right. Like, would you would you rather that, or would you rather someone just be honest with you and go, "Look, this is gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt a lot, yep. and we, everyone's gonna have to tighten their belt." And so, I just I'm always on the side of the harsh truth rather than the soft lie. And so, I I just mm. I, I feel at this point like there's something very hard, like in so many ways, so many ways that are outside the scope of libertarianism. Like just right. that, that people like won't admit that in our society today, like won't say anything like where it's like, you know, look, if you're like, um, uh, you know, like there's this, I don't know, just like cultural issues, you know, there's like, um, only fans where, where yeah. girls are like stripping in some cases, uh, you know, having sex on camera for money and all types of things in between and all of that. And it's like, no one's willing to tell them like, look. If you want to get married and have kids, well, a huge, like the vast majority of men will never want to marry you and have children with you if you've done this. Now, that's mean. That doesn't sound nice. It's not a nice thing to say to somebody, but it's true. It's true. And it's a very important thing to know, like if you're in that situation and no one, people are so just like, um, inclined 
to say, well, that's their, yeah, that's your decision and it's your life and you do whatever you want because that sounds a little bit nicer. But mm-hmm. for me, I like harsh truths. Yep. I like the truth. It's also a harsh truth that if you engage in, in that sort of um, activity and, and that's where you're trying to retrieve or, or, or gather your acceptance or, you know, you're, you who you are as a person, if that's what you're trying to, to grab that from, then you're going to be miserably failed. Yeah. You will fail in that attempt. I'm sorry. I, again, I, I'm sure you agree wholeheartedly. I completely uh, agree with your sex. If that's what you want to do, you have every legal freaking right to go do that. But that does not, that does not mean it isn't destructive to your health, to your uh, engagement in society, into your engagement into healthy behavior. It is destructive, and we have all the metrics to show that it is. And you could string that along many other lines of chosen lifestyles. Again, I will support and I will fight with you in your right to do so. The government has no right in yeah. saying that you shouldn't be able to do that. But I won't support you morally, spiritually, or physically because I understand from statistics and data that what you're doing is not healthy. Yeah, for you, I mean, like, like in the same way, your friend has a right to, like, fucking, you know, uh, you know, play Russian roulette on himself, but I still don't have to support you in doing right. that. Like, I, you know, and, and, and there's just these, there's things like this all over the place like and and with covid this really exposed to me at least a lot of this like oh what once there was this crisis it was like oh it's so obvious that no one's willing to say like it's like look some old people are gonna die and I, I it's not that i'm on the side of the virus i'm just saying that no matter yes. what you do some old people some sick people like this is an upper respiratory virus that is very contagious and if you have comorbidities man that you do not want to get trouble. this thing but i'm not willing to sacrifice all of life for you know to to try to make sure that nobody ever dies and that was a very, um, you know, that's a harsh truth. But again, our, you know, like I said, like sometimes these harsh truths are very important. And in fact, yes. I think you could argue that, you know, the truth is the most important thing. But easy truths are something anyone will tell. So the most important of the most important thing is the honest, accurate thing that is kind of hard to say. And I, you know, I, I hearken back to the great Ron Paul, um, who was the guy who stood up in the 2007 presidential debates and said that, you know, like, I know we're under the George Bush administration and everyone wants to say that, uh, you know, the troops are the greatest thing ever and the terrorists are the most evil thing ever. But actually, the truth of the situation is that the, the reason why there's so much hatred against the United States of America is because our government has been, you know, killing a whole bunch of people in the Middle East for a whole bunch of years, and they that really rubbed them the wrong way. And that was a harsh truth. And I do think that, like, if there's a role for, for libertarians, it's 
to be able to tell the truth when it's really uncomfortable to do so. Yeah, and I think we have an obligation to do so. And uh, Max Henry made a good point here. They don't believe in truth. They only believe in personal truths. Yes, uh, we need to here, here, and here's why I've gravitated towards the Mises Caucus within the Libertarian Party because number one, I landed at the at the Libertarian Party via common sense. Number two, after uh, evaluating the entire scenario. What leads me closer to the Mises Caucus is, uh, shocker, more common sense. We must maintain some sense of reality and biology and science and factuality that must drive the basis for our fundamental beliefs in this country. And so when we move away from hard uh, and really appalling but very real truths like we are the ones that have caused islamic extremists that's what we've done we are the problem we are the ones that have caused so much clinical depression by catering to people to the one percent and then uh, you know just spreading that out towards everybody via mental disorders we have to stop moving yeah. away from hard truths and hard reality to cater to the emotions of the 1%. We have to stop that and we have to stop it immediately. Well, I'm glad. Listen, man, I'm really glad to uh, to have you on board. And um, I think that there's, there's an interesting kind of like thread there that in the same sense of like th there's there's almost been this like dynamic that's risen up now so like if i like i said before when i go look with covid let's say if someone was like um you know like look we had the lockdowns and i don't know the exact number of people who have died from covid because it's almost impossible yeah. to tell with impossible. the way they keep track of the numbers you know what i mean like there's a, there's a you know a guy dies in a motorcycle accident who's covid positive and it's a covid death and of course then there's also people who die at home and they have no idea if they had covid that could be a covid death so we don't know exactly what the numbers are but the the point is that we had all these lockdowns and hundreds of thousands of people died from covid and if i had said at the very beginning of that uh covid which i did but if i had said at the very beginning of it i'd been like look hundreds of thousands of people are going to die from covid that's right. going to happen. There's, you know, and, and a lot of old people and sick people are going to die, but I don't think we should have lockdowns. It'd be very easy to say, what well, what's the response to that? So you don't care about old people or right. you don't care about sick people. And this is what happens anytime you deliver the harsh reality. And so I feel like this is the truth. Uh, this is exactly what's going on with the Mises caucus. Like, is that it's, it's like, we're the ones who want to say, Hey, look, here's the fucking truth. And then it's very easy for a lot of other people to say, Oh, so you fucking hate this group of people. Or you hate this group of people. And it's like, no, dude, that's not what we're doing here. What we're doing is we're saying, Hey, we need to be able to tell the truth. And, um, you know, that's, that's it. I'm not going to stop. Uh, telling the truth as I see it because I get people shrieking at me. I don't know if I was right. going to do that. Then what's the point of being here? Like, I, you know, exactly. like why, why am I even here? So uh, that's, it, you know, it's good to have you on board, man. And it's like, I one of, the, one of the things that I, I liked about you right away. And like, I, I, this is your, this is happening with uh, a bunch of, of people is that, and I see this all the time happen is that 
when I see somebody kind of in the middle of these conflicts between like the Mises Caucus and the people who really hate the Mises Caucus, and I see someone being reasonable, not like necessarily on our side, reasonable doesn't mean you agree with me on everything, but just being like, hey, let me be fair about this. I go, okay, let me talk to this person because I want to have a conversation with somebody who's like being reasonable. And then what always inevitably uh, <laughs> inevitably happens is that all those people turn on you because they go, yeah. look at you. You're aiding and abetting the person who's so horrible, like he's a Nazi or a racist or something like this, which is just like, uh, you know, completely <laughs> yes. untrue. You know, you know what's funny is I almost put in our promo when I tweeted <laughs> it this morning. I was going to say – Tonight, I'm going to be talking with Dave Smith, just a couple of alt-right neo-Nazi white supremacists fighting for the rights of gays, blacks, and everyone in between. <laughs> yeah. I didn't do it for obvious reasons, right? But it's so, it's so, I mean, we laugh about it, but unfortunately, it's absolutely ridiculous. Because if you really follow the pattern of thinking that you literally just laid out, that anybody that proposes some sort of logical thinking in just reasonable mentality, they get labeled as some extremist in that, oh, well, you must, okay, well, you're for this, or you're not against X, Y, or Z, well, then you must be for X, Y, or Z. Which I don't understand why libertarians are participating in this, because this is from the playbook of freaking government and duopoly, and it's destructive. What the hell are they doing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude, and and I think you're absolutely right. And I, I mean, I, I look, I try to, like, take a step back and go like, okay, so what am I like, what is the perspective of these guys who who have this opinion of me and the Mises Caucus and, and my whole camp and everything like that? And I'm like, look, I am to a fault, always willing to have the debate and the conversation. If somebody goes, hey, I think you're wrong about this opinion you have, I, dude, I've done so many debates amongst libertarians right. over the last few years like i there i mean a, a lot of them and i'm always willing because i it's it's really almost it's my own like like autistic or something like like flaw that i'm like if someone's like hey i think if, if someone's like you have this logic wrong i'm like well i think i have it right so let's battle this out and see who has it wrong or right i i'm not shying away from any of this but then like the the response to that is almost always not always there's been exceptions but almost always like this wild caricature of what you actually think or i you know i'm unlibertarian on this like you know uh topic or that topic and the truth is that i'm i'm an absolute pure libertarian i'm libertarian on every single issue there's not one that i'm not i believe that people have uh self-ownership uh, I believe in pro private property rights and the non-aggression principle to the fullest with zero exceptions. You know, like I would never, there, there's nothing that I would make an exception uh, for that over. Uh, I mean, okay, maybe I should say perhaps the like the protection of my children, the protection of right. my children, I would put above anything else. But really, I don't Same. think they, they're in conflict with with that at all. Yeah. Um and, you know, uh, but it's but it's been very interesting to see these kind of dynamics. And it's it's unfortunate. I wish it didn't exist, but 
It is what it is, you know? Unfor- uh, yeah, it is very freaking disheartening and unfortunate. And, and I, I continue to reach out to both sides. And I say both sides now very, you know, hesitantly because I am working with Mises Caucus and I'm going to help promote, uh, uh, use the Mises Caucus resources in my state. I live in a deep red state. So putting that all aside, <clears throat> I have desperately tried since learning about this fight to try to bring these two people, these two demographics together. And I see one side predominantly saying, yeah, we want to work together. We have to. We have like some serious, pardon my friends, but some serious effing shit that is paraling down our pipeline right now and then you have the other side ring about who dave smith had on a podcast that you debated six months ago that i've never heard of and the reason i've never heard of them and don't care is because they suck and i don't care what they have to say yeah and And, 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 and we're destroying ourselves and and it seems like the the criticism has always been something like i was too like um They'll say, like, I was buddying up to that guy, or I was too friendly with him, or I agreed with him on some stuff. But really, it's kind of like, well, I don't know. I mean, that's how, like, to me, that just seems like how you treat a person. Like, if someone comes to a conversation with me, I don't think anyone, including all of the people who really, like, uh, hate me, think that if someone came to me in a conversation with, like, the energy of, like, fuck you... I'm going to fucking destroy you that I wouldn't respond with that energy. I mean, people know me fairly well. Like that's kind of my style. Like if you come to me with that, but if you come to me with like, Hey, I disagree with you on these ideas and I want to talk about it, then I'll, I'll probably go. Okay. Well, sure. Let's let's talk about this. And so to, to be furious at me over that, I mean, it's like, again, look, all these guys like, and, and it really is like a shrinking minority in the party. But they know that I'm not I'm not the type of person who I don't have any positions that I'm not ready to defend. And right. that, that I don't like I don't just throw these things out without thinking them through. And I was whether it's my position on immigration, you know, I, I, you know, set up that debate with Spike Cohen, who I love, who I think is one of like the most brilliant libertarians out there, because I was like, I want to have this debate with the smartest, most capable guy who I think will like really give me pushback on this and like, see like, okay, how does this stack up? And I, I, it's the same with a lot of these other things. I've, I've, this is why I like having these debates and most of not all, with the exception of one, most of the debates that I've had with the people who really, really don't like me, it was a completely cordial, friendly debate, ended on good terms, and then it's like they go on a mission to like, okay, we're, we're going to you know try to destroy you every day. But again, my message always, for at least the last two years, have been kind of what you were saying. That it's like, look... We're living through the, the rise of a sweeping totalitarian movement across Western civilization. And if you believe in human liberty right now, the idea that you would get caught up in any of this nonsense is really like it's, it's bananas to me. 
like yes. that you couldn't see what's right in front of you. And to me, the you have the Mises Caucus, which certainly, um, I don't think it's unreasonable for people to say that, like, look, there there is some bluster in the Mises Caucus, and there are some people who are really like so ready to give the middle finger to wokeism that they will say the most fucked up thing to just be like, "Yeah, fuck you," you know. Like that's yeah. kind of it. Like it's it's just this kind yeah. of like, "Fuck you." How about this? I'd, I'll say the opposite of what's considered acceptable. And I'm not saying that there aren't some things that like, yeah, sometimes they're said as a joke, but not everyone gets that it's a joke. Sometimes it's like things that. I don't particularly like that. I'm like, hey, that was a little bit too far. And I'll, I'll, you know, I won't publicly like trash people who I, I, are on my team, but I, behind the scenes, Agreed. do reach out to people sometimes and go, hey, don't say it like that. That's not the best way to say it. But if you're really supporting like a movement for human liberty in the Libertarian Party, and you see there's this one group that is like young and energized and hungry and making big moves and really passionately, unapologetically pro-liberty, there's no one else. That's the Mises Caucus. That's it. Like, aside from that, it's all just kind of like, oh, well, let's like, um, what, what do you want to do? You want to like follow all of the woke rules but advocate human liberty? Or you want to like go with like, you know, Republican establishment figures because they were against Trump, even though they were against Trump for all of the things that Trump was good on. Not that they were bad on. Like I see in, in uh, Texas, they have, and I don't give a shit, have whoever you want to at your convention, but they have this Joe Walsh guy, you know, who's like his criticism. Like I have plenty of criticism, uh, criticisms of Trump, but Right. It's not the never Trump, but like, I don't care that he held up a fucking arms deal with Ukraine. I hate him because he caved <laughs> and gave them the arms after that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I hate him because he didn't fucking stick to any of the good shit he was saying. So that's that this is this weird dynamic where you would think if there if you were in the middle of a sweeping rise of totalitarianism and you uh, were and there were active genocides going on around the world, all sponsored by your government, that even if you disagreed with people about, you know, I don't I don't like the way he said this, or I don't like his take on this, it seems like you would go, yeah, but that's not as important as fighting what we're all against. Yeah, and that, that so honestly, that that's the, the biggest kicker for me. It's not just the fact that if you can't stop for a second and get over your damn ego and the things that you want and that you choose, that's important. The things that you choose to be offended by and see what our, our governments are actively doing by the hour yeah. to pick a fight with Mises Caucus, then I'm not sure how much use you are. To this movement because I'm not here to make friends with people that are actively seeking out destructive outlets yeah if that makes I, sense no I, I know what you mean and I would honestly I would prefer that there was some way and and I tried this for a while but I would prefer that there was some way 
that we could all go kind of like this was the point of me having all of these debates was I was hoping that it's like, look, we'll make our arguments and then we'll kind of see who's right and see who has the stronger argument. And then we can kind of all like kind of come together. Now, of course, in my mind, I was like, I think I'm right. That's why I'm making this argument. But it at a certain point, I kind of realized, at least with some people, that it's like, yeah, this is just never, no matter what argument is presented to them, no matter how it's explained, it's never going to come back to, to you know, there, there's never going to be this kind of uh, process where they go, all right, yeah, I guess that was kind of a little bit hyperbolic on my part. Maybe I should tone them back. So that's just not going to happen, unfortunately. Right. And I wish it would. For any of the people, there is literally nobody um, in the Libertarian Party who I couldn't move past whatever our disagreement is, you know, maybe right, a conversation right. is necessary, but right. not even that long of a conversation, whatever. I don't care. Like what I care about is like doing big things. That's what I care about. That's Amen. literally what my, what my motivation, what my focus is on and what it's always been on. I want to like go and tell like, you know, like I'm excited that fucking I, I I was thrilled that Rogan put out the clip of me talking about the war in Yemen. That made me yeah, really happy, nice. you know, and that he chooses what clip he puts out on the YouTube channel. So I'm like, shit, that got an extra couple million people to see that right. with on top of like the, the 20 million people or whatever who saw it the first time. So it's like, fuck, yes. OK, I right. just got to tell like a really big portion of the American public about the genocide going on in Yemen and how it's all Washington, D.C.'s fault. OK, yeah. I like that. That's big to me. You know, like, I don't care about, like, any of this petty shit. Like, I'd fucking, you know, I mean, I'm a person. I have a, my own, you know, ego just like anyone else. But of course. I could move past any of that and fucking let's focus on what really matters. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, wokeism is toxic. And, and it's intoxicating. And that's part of the reason why it's spread throughout, uh, you know, our society so much, but that it's very easy. Look, I have I have a million flaws and I, I'm far from a perfect person, but I try my best to be really aware of that and to, to really try to, you know, and I think part of this is having a family. Uh, yeah thinking about how to be the best father for my kids. I'm thinking about how to be the best husband to my wife. Um, I think that one of the reasons why wokeism is so intoxicating is that people who do not uh, uh, do that, who are not very happy with who they are in life, can focus on this kind of noble battle against the people who they're against. And how evil they are. And this inherently makes them the good guy in this yep. struggle, you know? And um, I, I just, I see that a lot. That people who are not uh, very impressive and have not yep. contributed a lot and are not doing much are, are the loudest voices against bigotry. You know, I'm, I'm going to stand up against the bigotry in this movement. Um, yep. And... There's something about that that I just my, my uh, you know I, my tendency is to say maybe you should focus on yourself a little bit more. What's, like, what's what's wrong with you? What 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 could you be doing better? What have you done? 
What ha- what are you contributing? What are you focusing on anything that is like the bigger thing? Or like what what is it? What it, you know, it's very easy to run around and point out how everybody else is is and I'm I'm guilty of that as well. And and sometimes that's necessary to point out like hey, I think this person is is fucking up. I think this guy's not doing it the right way. But if that's all you're doing, like you're you're just in this holier than thou, like judging everybody else, like what? Okay, and what's your work? I remember Spike Cohen said at one point he was arguing with um uh with with somebody who I've seen you argue with a bit too uh not, not argue but you know one one of the guys on Twitter yeah. who's like a Mises Caucus hater, one of my former debate uh, sparring partners, um and and he said to him at one point they were arguing back and forth and he just goes okay, so what's your plan? So like the Mises caucus is here. They have become the majority of the Libertarian Party. Yep. What are you going to do? Are you know, if you want to beat them, you're going to have to like win the argument, you're going to have to out recruit them, persuade people that you're right. What's the plan? And this just completely shut down the conversation because he was just like, "Well, they're bigots. It doesn't matter. They're bigots." And you're like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, so what are you going to do?" Because right now we're in a situation where if we're really the fighters for liberty, we got to be like, hey, we, we have to try to start working on like a plan to actually inspire a lot right. of people to believe in this. Because otherwise, this is all useless. So that's if you don't have a plan, the, then. But see, the issue is there is no plan, right? And there cannot be a plan because I'll, I've said this for a while. One of my biggest fights, and most of everyone knows that follows me on Twitter, follows me on Facebook, a large majority of people, um, racism, systemic racism, bigotry, all of the alike are just like COVID. Okay? They are endemic. Yeah. They have always been. They will always be. You are fighting a useless battle when you are attacking these types of things, especially when you have no absolute resolute for that. And I probably shouldn't have said them two words back to back, but you you get what I'm saying, right? There is no real resolution to ending racism or bigotry because newsflash, it's just like a virus. It's here to stay and it will be here forever. So instead of focusing on things that have no realistic end goal, then maybe we should talk about the things that do have realistic end goals, like alliancing or allying with people that can fight absolutely tyrannical government policies. Some of those that include systemic racism, and I've addressed many of those. A lot of people don't like my answer to what systemic racism sounds like. To me, systemic sound, systemic racism, racism, sorry, sounds like uh, or is gun control. It was initiated off of racist beliefs. It still propagates that way in inner cities. They are geared towards it. That's something that people don't like to hear. Oh, well, I Dude, love systemic I, racism, but I don't like gun control. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember I was talking on the phone with uh, Maj Touré, who's my fucking guy. I love that guy. He's just, like, so fucking great. He runs Black Guns Matter, and he's a great libertarian. We were talking on the phone, man. This might have been last year or something like that. But he was just talking about – we were talking about this stupid, like, fucking racism, you know, conversation. And he was like uh, – he goes, dude, I got friends of mine who are doing decades in prison over selling cocaine decades in prison over selling weed and this was during like the black lives matter you know like riots and stuff and he was like could i get like two of my friends back He was like i don't care about tearing down statues he goes i'll build a statue of a slave owner if i could get like two of my friends back like it's you know like who cares we're talking we're talking about like the dumbest shit that doesn't actually have anything to do he's like dude i know this guy's mom and i watch her cry over how her boy is in jail for 20 years like what you know so there's just these things where it's like you know to focus on these things that just don't matter. And like you said, like, okay, not that they don't matter at all, but in the grand scheme of things matter so little. And to go like, you know, and this is the problem I have with these. um, And and I think this is intentionally designed, but with, with this whole thing where there's like, you know, they use these terms like racism, but then they, it switches to systemic racism. And, You'll almost go, okay, well, if you're talking about like a system, a policy that screws over one group of people, I mean, if it's violating their liberty, then I'm very interested in what that is. Okay, let, let, let's talk about that. But it switches back and forth all the time. Like they'll use them interchangeably in the same way that I think like, uh, you know, just to say it, I think gender and sex get used interchangeably. You know, they'll be like, okay, sex is biological, but gender is fluid. And then you'll go, okay, well, there's male and female. And they'll be like, you know, and then you're like, but that refers to sex, not gender. So that's not fluid then. Right. Male and female very clearly is a biological term, right? I mean, but like, right. and, and they'll, so you'll almost be like, they'll be like, well, we live in a, uh, in a racist society. And you'll be like, okay, well, I don't think so because, you know, so-and-so, like, there's not a lot of racist people. And they'll be like, yeah, but there's systemic racism. And you're like, okay, all right, so let's talk about the system that is racist. But then if some person says something wrong, they're like, we have to cancel that person. And you're like, yeah, but that has nothing to do with systemic racism. That's right. just like you're, – <laughs> so now what ends up happening is instead of focusing on the system and how the system actually oppresses people, you, you're ghost hunting through who's had an impure thought. Who tweeted yep. the wrong thing in 2009? That's yep. really what we got. And all, any energy that's even spent on that or like who's, who's, you know, posted a meme or a video that's like, like what? Who cares? This is, this has nothing to do with anyone's life. This is not, this, but there are these real policies. You mentioned one, which is like gun control. Of course, the war on drugs and the welfare exactly. state and public education. And like so many of these things that absolutely do screw over, I mean, predominantly poor people. Yeah. And sure, poor people poor in people. this country are, you know, disproportionately not white, but a whole lot of yeah. them are white. You know, but like, you know, it's like, yeah, there are all these policies that screw over people. And really, who gives a shit what color they are? If they screw over people, they screw over people. We should be against that. Um, And, you know, so it's like it's just all of these things are such distractions to not be able to, like, delineate 
between what is really something worth dying over, fighting over, caring yeah. about, and what is just nonsense. Like someone yeah. posted a joke that you don't like, you know, like I, or, or a meme, or even like a hateful comment, even if it's not just a joke, like a hateful comment, it's like, okay, fine. But that's not like, I'm not in this game to, to care about someone's a meanie. You know what I mean? Like right, I'm in right, this right. to care about the fact that like there are human beings who are suffering and I want to like, yes. you know, talk about that shit. That's what gets me up. I don't know. Yeah. Same. And what people, uh, there's so many people in this country that fail to realize is that, especially people on the woke side, woke side, which is an absolute cancer, um, just to double down on what you said, these are people that are so inward focused. And I've talked to psychologists and doctors uh, about clinical depression and spiritual healers. And, and the number one consensus is that people that suffer with clinical depression and uh, depression of any sort, or, or, and it's very relevant, so let me get there, is that they're so inward focused. Mm -hmm. They're so focused on me, 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 me instead of what they can do for other people. And so when we're talking about this ex ex exclusively, especially with wokeism and like, let's just say systemic racism or racism is that we lose sight of the fact that these government entities and these people that are in control and in power, they, they could care less what your skin color is anymore. They lost sight of that a long time ago. They yeah. realized that they could put people in, uh, mental cages and enslave us regardless of what your skin color is. It has become a socioeconomic issue at this point. So if you don't have enough money to overcome the system, then they wholeheartedly believe they can enslave you to do their bidding. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with that. And I would just add that they also realize that they can use your skin color to pit you against each other. Facts. Whereas like you would probably have way more in common than you would with those people who are pitting you against each other. Um, but I think Facts. that's apps. I think it's so spot on what you said. And I've, I've certainly noticed that in my own life, just personally, um, that, you know, uh, e even finding libertarianism and kind of this, uh, like philosophy and, and I'm somebody who like, didn't really grow up uh, being religious. And, um, I mean, I, like, I had a little bit, like I'm Jewish and I was bar mitzvah and stuff, but there wasn't really right. like, there was like, I, I didn't really like my family didn't really believe in religion and believe in God. It was kind of just like this thing that was there and, yeah. eh, you can believe in it if you want to or not believe in it if you, if you don't want to. And I didn't, I didn't really have anything like that. And then finding libertarianism was the first time that I almost felt like, oh, there's this thing kind of bigger than me that I care about. And that made me a much happier person. Like it made me a much like, like, like less depressed and anxious and inwardly focused person. Cause now it was like, I was focusing on something that mattered, but really it was when I had my, my first child, my daughter, and I, in the course of, uh, having her really kind of found God and like believed start started like kind of like believing in God, and then had a, a daughter and then later, you know, just recently had my son um, that nice. it was like, oh, almost like all of that was cured. Like not even like it's like, oh, it's a little bit better. Like it's cured. I have the antidote right. to that, which is that 
when you have purpose in your life and meaning and something much bigger than yourself that you're focused on, you're just not, it, it's not like, you know, you, it, it, it's impossible to almost sit around and be like, I feel blue or I don't feel good about this because it's like, well, what are you talking about? I am so lucky that I get to be in this existence yes. where I am serving. Like I'm, I'm, I have like, God has blessed me with this yes. perfect, like family and this perfect life and like all of these great things. And of course there's these struggles and these horrible things, but that's kind of like what makes you appreciate what's so great about the great things in life. Right. And you know, I, I tend to see people who are wrapped up in the negativity and in depression and things like that, where it's like, oh, okay, you're just not, you're, again, like you said, you're too inwardly focused on yourself. And if you're not externally focused and you're internally focused, then yeah, you're going to start to all of a sudden think about all the flaws in you and yep. your life. Because of course, we're all flawed as shit. Like, we all, you know, it's like, yeah, we're all really, really bad. And if you're just thinking about that shit, things get depressing really quickly. Yes. But when when you're kind of thinking about the bigger picture and what really matters, then you realize that like, you're on this beautiful journey. And and that you can be um like the, the most amazing thing about life to me, this is so much bigger than libertarianism, right? It's like the most amazing thing yes. about life is that you can be an angel for other people, that you can be that person who saved someone else, who made their day, who had a huge impact on their life, you know? And, you know, you think about like almost like it could be, a, you could like work at the post office and someone comes in and, you know, you're like, sorry, we're closed. And they're like, oh, my God, I have to mail this fucking check out. If I don't mail this check out, my power is going to get turned off. My life is going to be ruined. And you now have this ability to go, all right, give me that thing. Let me let me mail yep. it out. And you yep. just saved yep. that person. Like you did something yep. so huge for that person, you know, and that's all around you all the time. And when you have kids, you really see that constantly because they look up to you like you every second you're like that for them. You know, yeah. like they're like, can I yeah. do this, daddy? Like, can I do that? You know, and, and, and you're just always trying to like be that person for them. And that is what will bring you true joy and happiness in this world. Not the thing, you know, you have to find a balance. You have to do a little thing for yourself. Watch the movie yeah. you want to watch. Do the thing you want to yeah. watch. But the thing that's really going to carry you throughout like what's going to make you feel really good about yourself when you lay your head down at night is that you did that for somebody else there's this weird this is what ayn rand really had correct even though i don't think she put it exactly perfectly but i think she had this correct is that there is true selfishness in morality there, there is something truly like the most selfish you can be is like kind of doing good things for other people because that is really what is more rewarding to you. It's not this conflict between selflessness or selfish or selfishness. It's more of like a synergy. It's more of like yes. if you're living a really selfish life, you're going to be punished for that just through the way this world operates. And so that's – I don't know. I wish yeah, libertarians I, would understand that a little bit more. So, yeah, no, no, you're so freaking spot on there. So she's kind of steal. I didn't hear this from Ayn Rand. She's kind of stealing <laughs> a biblical principle here right. in the fact that uh, what, what the Apostle Paul said in Romans was that no one is righteous, no, not one, which was stolen from the Old Testament. 
okay, which is, as as Jews, they believe in the Old Testament, especially the Pentateuch. And mm-hmm. if you're Islamic, you believe in the in the Tehran. The Pentateuch and the Tehran are the same first five books of the Bible, if I'm not incorrect. I think there. that's right, yeah, yeah. But uh, what she's talking about there is, and what biblical philosophy is talking about, and which is moral philosophy, if you talk to any philosophical uh, person or read any of their studies and you find once you go deep enough into what they've discovered is that even with the most moral and purest of intentions it's not self-sacrificial yeah. not yeah. on a human being's behavior right no you do it there is a there is some goal of of attaining a moral good for yourself there is always a selfish intent that's what i'm trying to find sorry there's always a selfish intent of even trying to do the best of moral behaviors right that's right and it's almost in the same sense of like you know if you um whatever you know if you like uh you know just don't have cheesecake all day like in a sense you're you're sacrificing but in another sense, you're like, well, because I don't want to feel like crap tonight. You right. know what I mean? Like, you're like, so it's, right. it's for selfish reasons. It's like still like it's going to make me feel better. And that's that's a big part of life in general is this kind of like pay me now or pay me later type thing. Mm-hmm. And you can that's you can good. try to steal very short term. It's like a very high time preference kind of mentality. You can try to steal very short term, uh, uh, you know, positive feelings but it's going to cost you in the long term in the same way that it's like you could get up and go for a jog in the morning or you could get up and eat cheesecake in the morning. And yes, in that morning, that morning, the cheesecake might feel a little bit better than the jog. So I suppose you could say that's selfish. But really, if you're being selfish in the fuller you know, sense of the word, it's like, no, you get up and go for that jog because overall now every day you're going to start feeling better if you live this lifestyle. Yes. And, you know, yes. so th- these things are all kind of like connected. And unfortunately, I think that um, and I'm certainly guilty of this as well. But I think that social media, um, particularly Twitter, um, <laughs> really um, rewards the worst in that <laughs> equation. It makes yeah, it people want to kind of like dunk on the other person and get mm-hmm. a very short term kind of like, okay, I got my little adrenaline rush and not really kind of like, you know, and I've, I know there's a lot of people who I've had like, you know, negative uh, interactions with on Twitter, but then you kind of meet them or talk to them or something like that. And it's nothing like that in real life. And you go like, okay, yeah, it's like we were both trying to kind of like win over the other one in that you know, little exchange. And that's not really who we are, like either of us. Right. Um, so I know, you know, certainly I've been sucked into that too. Um, it's very hard uh, to yeah. completely, you know, um, um, be against that. But I also get it, you know, I, oof, I, I get it a lot, man, where people are like trying to come at you and just trying to fuck. It's like you see it on there. It's like the most evil yeah. aspect of people gets brought out where it's like, oh, you're just trying. You're not even kind of interested in like asking me how I feel or showing me that you think I'm wrong or demonstrate. It's just like, let me fucking get you in this yep. tweet. And, uh, you know, anyway, there's real good things about uh, social media, <laughs> but there's some real negative things about it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there's no doubt that the... Uh... But, uh, I don't want. 
I want to word this correctly because it's so touchy and so dangerous. Let me say it like this. There's a real hungering and necessity for honesty and transparency within social media. And it starts with me first. However, you cannot or I cannot, anyone cannot instill that desire for transparency and honesty and into anyone else. We just can't. <clears throat> and so again, I'm going to steal from the Bible here. I'm, I'm not going to toss my pearls to swine. I, I will give you enough of the information and honesty and transparency and love that I can give. And when you prove to me that that is not of your concern, that your only concern is to prove, prove me wrong, then I will dust my feet and move on. And that's the end of our relationship. You know what? I've known you for 10 minutes. I haven't enjoyed any of them. So we're done here. And that's about yeah. the best that I can do with, with that sort of interaction. Dude, I, uh, I, I never for years, I never blocked anyone on Twitter. Hmm. And I almost thought that was like kind of a, uh, like, like a badge of honor in a way. Like I was like, I don't block anyone. I'll take whatever you got to give to me. You know, I'm not afraid of anything. And then it was really just over the last year that, um, and maybe even less, maybe more like the last six months that I was like, I'm just going to start blocking people. Like, what yeah. am I even doing? It's like, there's certain people and I won't do it just off like one thing. It's not like someone will say one thing that bothers me and I'll block you. But it's like, if there's somebody who I've gone back and forth with enough times and it's been clearly demonstrated that like a nothing productive is coming from this, right. we're not really talking to each other. You're not listening to what I have to say. We're not like we're, we're not like advancing to the next level. I've tried to have this communication. It's like, is this just a thing that like, am I spending time, you know, trying to like, like, why am I doing this? I'll, I'm just going to hit a button and then this is over. And I, I'll tell you, one of the things I think that really changed it for me was uh, having my boy um, and uh, like having a son really made me think differently about a lot of things in life. You know, I, I had my daughter, my daughter's like uh, three years old and my son is a baby. He's, he's like four months old. And wow. Um, yes, it was, it's great. It's an unbelievable time to have such a young kids. It's so goddamn cute. Every, every day of my life yeah. is just like a cute overload. Um, yeah, which is amazing. I remember. Uh, yeah. How old are your kids? Yeah. I've got a 13 year old from my pre Jesus days, my first marriage. And then I've got a five year old boy and a two year old girl. Oh, okay. That's me. Yeah, yeah. Dude. Just incredible, man. Those are, and you got yeah. two year olds. Ugh. There's two. Oh, I mean, I have the three-year-old. It's just like it literally is like it's like you could overdose on cuteness just uh, like, every, every day. day, every day. Yeah, I get, um, I get in trouble every day. So, yeah, I know, I know. It's just <laughs> it, uh, it's the best. But so, but I'll tell you, there's something about so like because so my wife is just like the best. Like, I mean, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm not just like I, man. She is just like I'm like 
incredibly lucky that I got that, that somehow I locked down this chick. I don't know how Same. the hell I did it. I did something good <laughs> in a previous lifetime, but like, she's just like this gorgeous chick who's like so sweet and like such a great mother and a great wife. And she's smart and she's funny. And like, I don't know what the hell I did. Even all the people who like hate me, they'd love my wife. Cause she's just that great. Like you couldn't <laughs> not love her. She's just the Same. best, you know, like that's just, and, and it's like, it's just like that chick that like almost like the chick in high school who you'd be like it's like the hot chick but she's also really cool right. and really nice right. to everybody it's like i somehow locked her up um you know yeah. i chained her up in my basement that was the plan but yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, how, yeah, that's yeah, how we yeah. did it but anyway so when i had my daughter i kind of had and this is probably stupid and my own like kind of immaturity or whatever but i ha kind of had this attitude like when i had my daughter that i was like well i mean i mean she's got my wife She's got the best role model ever to look up for. So all I really got to do is like, I got to, you know, I got to make money and I got to make sure that there's like the bills are paid and protect them and, you know, be present and loving. And then I, this is easy. She's got the best woman ever to be her role model for, you know, it's like now. And then when I had my son, I almost felt like this pressure. Like I was like, oh shit, I got to teach him how to be a man. Yeah. Like, this is different. I can't just like rely yeah. on her. Like I got it, which is, you know, maybe there's something flawed in that, but that's kind of, that was just like how I felt, you know? And since having my boy, which is only like the last few months, but I kind of felt like, like, I don't know. I think a lot about like the man I want to be. And I don't want to be yeah. dragged down in these like things. I don't want like him to look at me as like this guy who's like in these unproductive like exchanges constantly and I, I, right. I I'm certainly very flawed and I still fail at that but I, I still go like no so like now I'm like yes if there is if, if I get the hint that it's like no this is not productive and not worth my time then I'm gonna block you <laughs> like I'm just not gonna right. be a part of this I want to be a part of things that are like really cool and really great and something I'd be proud to like for my my boy to see like when he gets older, you know, like that's like more what yeah. like that makes that that's something that makes me like, OK, I'm I'm happy to be doing this. And a lot of times with these arguments, like it's like, look, if someone has an argument and they th say, hey, I think you're wrong about this. I just think about it like, well, what would I want? Like, what would I want if, if my boy wasn't four months and was 15 and could like, right. you know, see this and think about what I'm saying? Well, the answer there would be to like, no, I should take this on and respond to it. But. If it's just like something where it's like, oh, dude, you're not even trying to respond to what I've said. And you're not, then the answer is just like, let's move on from this. We, neither of us yeah. need to be engaged in this. No hard yeah, feelings, I, but like, let's just I, move on. I wholeheartedly agree. If, if not for the simple um, desire and, and necessity for your own personal mental health, I, I don't block anybody from any social media unless they're scammers. You know, like trying to get my followers and fans to buy yeah. Bitcoin that they're not really trying to sell or anything. But over the last, uh, literally over the last month or 30 days, I'm like, you know what? I've got three kids. I've got a wife. I've got a full-time job. And I've got a second full-time job on the internet and trying to do my freaking part to get this country back on track. The last thing I need is for a couple of retards. And sorry if that offends y'all. You know <laughs> what it means. It's a funny word. It's not 
It is a fun Actually, word. it's it's derived from the word rotundo. So if you don't know, I am a, a, a very experienced musician. Retardundo is a musical term, which means to slow down. So you can hate me for it all you want. I don't <laughs> care. I'm talking about music here, folks. To slow down. If you're going to... If you're going to pollute my life in the people's lives that I influence with your ridiculous nonsense that is not going to help anyone, including yourself, you know what? I'm going to block you. Yeah. And that's where I've arrived. And I don't do it very often. I've only blocked, like, other than scammers, maybe three people in about a year of doing all this in like close to or a little over 40,000 followers at this point. It's fine. If, if that's how you choose to engage, I won't engage with you. We'll part our ways. You go do your thing. I'm going to do mine. And that, that will be our relationship from here on out. Yeah. Which it just seems like might be the best for everybody involved. Yeah, I, and think like, so. I think there are, there are some people who like, um, I mean, I had people who would like, you know, tweet at me like every day, like every day. And at a certain point, you're like, yeah, like forget even me. I don't think this is healthy for you. I don't think it's healthy for you to like be like this focused on what I'm doing. And, you know, at my, and, and it's also a recognition of my own weakness that I do have a weakness, right. um, a real weakness, particularly with like libertarian shit that I will always, always engage in the argument. And this is, you know, to, uh, I think my own uh, version of a, to maybe a more offensive term than retarded is my own like autistic tendency <laughs> is that if somebody's right. like, well, I think you have the wrong interpretation of libertarianism here. I'm like, okay, well, let's battle this out because I don't think I do. And I really like to do that. You know, like I saw right. you commented on a thread today where I was battling it out about this old fucking clip from uh, 2016 or whatever, yeah. where yeah. I was talking about drunk sex and how I, I don't think you can consider that rape because I don't think from the libertarian position, that is a tenable way to look at the world. And I'll defend that because I think I'm right. And maybe I'm not, right. but I think I am. I really think I am. And I you know, it's like, well, it's, it's, you know, and it's so easy for me to get sucked into this. And why I blocked that one girl today is because after going back and forth on this, it wasn't anything she said to me. It was that after going back and forth on this for months now, and this is, I mean, I'm not like, look, who cares about follower counts or anything like that? But this is an account with a couple hundred followers and I'm a, a, an account with like, you know, uh, almost 200,000 followers. And I've gone right. back and forth with her many times because she asked me, will you, you know, will you have a discussion about this? And I was like, sure, fine. And after doing this for months, someone asked her if she could steel man my position on this. And her, what she said after it was such a ridiculous straw man of what my position is that I've explained over and over again that I just went, you know what? That's it. Blocking. Because if after all of this time you still can't just honestly just spit back, I could easily spit back what your position is to you in a way that you right. would find satisfactory. If you can't do that, then we're done here. Like there's no more need to have a conversation. And but the point is, and I know people like a lot of people try to jump on me for this and use it against me for obvious reasons because they want to try to to damage me. And then other people, I'm sure, actually disagree and other people are very emotional about this. But I've just said, it's like, look, the, 
I do not like drunk hookup culture. I don't like it. Right. I am a married faithful man. Now I was exactly. pretty I was pretty degenerate before I was married and I've lived quite a life and I'm not proud of any of that. So I've been through that game and now I'm a married faithful man. I have a daughter. I don't like the idea of drunk hookup culture. I wish it didn't exist. I don't think it's good for our society. But it does exist. And that's the reality. Yeah. Like it does. And the, yes. And the truth is that people get drunk and have sex. People get hammered and have sex. This happens yeah. all the time. Right now, as we're talking. Every day. Are doing right, now. right now. As we're saying these words, people are doing that. Now, the vast, vast, vast majority of people who do that do not consider a crime to have taken place. You know, I'm talking, I'm not I'm obviously that, talking about people who uh, are adults who voluntarily consumed the alcohol and voluntarily had sex. You know, it, you can argue about whether consent is possible when you're drunk, but I'm saying in the moment said, yes, I want to do this. The vast, vast, vast majority of those people don't consider that to be let that a crime happened. So you're telling me now that the libertarian position is going to be that if someone the next day thinks back on it and goes, actually, I feel like a crime did happen there, that that is a crime? Or are you telling me that all of those other people who don't consider a crime to have happened, there was a crime there? Like, even though you don't consider yourself a rape victim, I'm telling you, you were? Or like, whatever right. your answer is here, this is untenable from a libertarian perspective, that you're saying that all of these people who are engaged in this voluntary activity are now criminals? You know, like, and, and so I'm just like, no, this doesn't make any sense. The only answer there is that if you're an adult and you consent to something, then that's consensual. And if you're going to say that people who are drunk, even very drunk, are incapable of consent, ooh, that's going to open up some pretty difficult uh, problems for you. It's like, oh, okay, well, if you're incapable of consenting when you're very, very drunk, that shouldn't only apply to sex, Right? You're incapable of consenting. That means if you call an Uber, that guy just robbed and kidnapped you. If you go buy a sandwich, that guy just robbed you. Of, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, look, we have to, the whole idea of libertarianism is that we have to have a consistent outlook on what is consent and what isn't consent. And so to me, the only thing you can do is say, look, I'm going to treat every adult with agency and you are responsible for your actions the same way I should be responsible for my actions. The same way I couldn't just be like, you know, if my wife was like, hey, you didn't come home last night, I can't just be like, I was drunk. I'm not responsible. You know, like, it's like, no, I'm responsible. And then I, I couldn't beetle my wife if she was like, oh, you didn't come home. It's like, well, I was very drunk. So I'm not, I'm really not responsible because I drink a lot. It's like, that, that wouldn't fly around my house. And I don't know about you, but, and I don't think it should. And so that's kind of my position. Now that doesn't mean it's not scummy. And that doesn't mean I wouldn't recommend like people don't live that lifestyle. I don't live that lifestyle, but, right, um, you know, it's like, no, I'm sorry. I don't think there's a logical argument, uh, against that. And it's certainly not a logical argument uh, from a libertarian point of view to say that what what do you want to do here i mean if you're saying this is a, a violent crime what do you want to have you want to get the state involved in this you want to now have police regulating 
interpersonal sexual activities at bars. I mean, this this doesn't seem to me to be like uh, anything that could possibly be a libertarian solution. And again, that was like, a- I'm happy to have this conversation with someone. Someone's got an argument against this. Bring it to me. But I don't think there's a good one. That was the issue that I have with this whole situation is that we're absolving people from personal responsibility and involving the state. That would be my question because I'm not caught up on this conversation or this topic. Are they literally advocating for state violence and state intervention over well, this? What I sex? said, what I said at the, I, I believe, yes, particularly the person I was talking to today. Yeah, I think she was, is that she was saying like, yes, that's a crime. And she, her thing was saying, if you're uh, inebriated or, or um, incapacitated, I'm sorry excuse me, incapacitated, then it's a crime. And I'm kind of like, okay, but what defines incapacitated? Like, obviously, if someone's passed out, or if someone can't speak, then yes, they can't consent. But where do you draw that line? I mean, if it's a crime, there should be an objective line. And she said, well, if they have slurred speech, I was like, well, slurred speech, I mean, that, that could be three drinks in, you know, I mean, like slurred speech, like, there's people who People have sex with slurred speech all the time. I mean, this is like a completely normal occurrence. And you're going to say that every one of those times is a crime under any circumstances? Like, like that's just th- – these standards to me just seem ridiculous. And, and I also think that, you know, I don't know. Within the libertarian world, and I don't mean to say this in a judgmental way, but there's a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people in the libertarian world – who are kind of nerds, and I say this with nothing but affection. You know, these are people who read textbooks on economics and like stuff like that, which I do too. You know, I'm not like I think it's great. I, I love all these people, but when they start talking about like drunk hookups, uh, I, I think they're a little inexperienced and a little removed from reality. You know, of like what really goes on, and the idea to say that like. Uh, People who have drunk hookups, someone should go to jail over that. I mean, I'm not talking, obviously, I'm not talking about like a drunk hookup where it's not consensual. That's a crime. Just like a sober hookup that's not consensual is a crime. But I'm talking about like, you're, you're just saying that like two people having drinks is, I don't know. Most, most married couples I know, including my, my marriage, like, oh, I guess we've been committing a whole lot of crimes uh, this, this whole time. You know, so it's like. This is a very weird standard. And anyway, it was just a thing that I said like years ago. It's not an issue I care about particularly that got put out there by one of these groups of people who's, you know, very hell bent on kind of like bringing me down. And so they put it out there. And my, my response to it was I, I just posted the full video. And because they put out like a little snippet of it. And I was like, well, here's the full video. Here's what I was saying. And I, I believe that. So I'm, I'm not running away from it. It's like here. Okay, I'll, I'm happy to argue this, just like I am with like all of my positions, just like I am with my position on immigration or but whatever the thing is that like any other libertarian is saying is some controversial uh, uh, position I have. Like, okay, I like I like superior arguments. That's why I'm a libertarian. I wasn't always a libertarian. I got convinced to be one because I heard the arguments and they were better than mine. I was like a left liberal, and I was like, shit, this is better than what I got. So if you got something better than what I got, I'm I'm all ears. But show it to me. Let me see it. Show tell me why I shouldn't be like having conversations 
with people who don't have libertarian views and why I shouldn't treat them with respect. If you have an argument for that, then fine. But all the people who are like, you know, like, uh, you know, complaining about me doing that, like, oh my God, you're buddy, buddy with these horrible people. It's like, well, I convinced a whole lot of their audience to come be libertarians. Have you convinced a lot of people to be libertarians? Do you have it? Like what, what's your better solution that I just yell, you're an awful person at, at the guy I'm interviewing. Okay. Like, that's almost like what I want to say to some people. It'll be like, well, you talk to like Nick Fuentes or like whoever, you know, Christopher Cantwell or Richard Spencer. I've, I've, you know, had conversations with all these guys over the years and they'll be like, well, you didn't even like call them out for this or that. And I'm like, okay, so you tell me, what would you have said? Tell me, tell me what I should have said. What would you have said? Oh, you're a big, horrible racist. It's like, okay, what would that accomplish? Right. What would that, you know what I mean? Like, what would that, would that convince anyone of anything? Would that, it's like you, that there's, there's people who like have never like won a debate in their life who are telling me how I should have debated these people. They're like, you're, and, and you know, what's crazy to me is that they're like, you know, they've been coming at the fucking, uh, at me and at the Mises caucus like this now for years. And we've just been like growing and growing and growing and becoming a more dominant force in the party. And you're almost like, you know, you guys are, you guys are helping us at this point. I almost like it. I'm almost like, well, fuck. I mean, if I can't like stop it, at least let me use you guys to fucking keep boosting my signal. Cause everyone looks at them and goes, Oh, this is ridiculous. Look, it's like the, the experience yep. you had, right? Like when we were in the middle of this thread, where you're like, hey, look, I just want everyone to fucking, you know, put some of this petty shit behind us because we got such big yep. issues to deal with. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly been my point. I'm so with you on that. And then the other people are like, no, you can't be with him because he's this awful evil guy. And what is it? What is the net effect of that end up being? It ends up being like you're like, he seems more reasonable than they do. This is literally the story of how I became yep. friends with Reed Coverdale and Jeremy Todd and David Fight and like a whole bunch of these people because this was the exact, this happens like over and over again. But I'm not yep. like being phony. I mean it. I'm like, yes, I don't care. I don't care if we like disagree about some issues around. There's libertarians who I love who I disagree with about like open borders, who I disagree. I, I supported Jacob Hornberger for uh, the presidential nomination in, uh, in 2020. He's a complete open borders guy. I don't believe in open borders. I don't think that's the correct libertarian position. But I don't know. He was good on so many issues. He was good on like all the issues that mattered. So fuck it. I, I love that guy. I, I disagree. You know, I'm pro-life, but I know a lot of libertarians who are pro-choice. I could kind of understand where they're coming from. You know, I, I used to be pro-choice. Like, I, I understand where they're coming from. But... <coughs> I, if we if we agree on all these important issues, then okay, we could we could be okay on that. But it's like, I I don't know. I don't like. I'm I'm not like trying to go to war over any little disagreement we have. It's like I've been saying right. for a long time. My thing is like, if you oppose the wars, if you're against the wars, if you're against the COVID regime and all the mandates and all the restrictions, if you're against the like looting of the American public through like you know, inflation and corporate bailouts and taxation. If you're against the police state, you're against locking people up for nonviolent crimes. Hey, if you're good on all that stuff, like 
I'm I'm willing to let some other stuff fall the, to the wayside. And not that it's unimportant things. Not that not that pro life uh, you know isn't important. It's just like look like we gotta like if if you're good on all of these issues, I'm I'm with you. Then we're allies in this fight. That's how I see it. And I totally agree. And I think that's where we need to get back to because a lot of the stuff, even if there's a, a massive disagreement on molecular levels and most of this stuff we must not make the mistake that thinking these are macro issues the infighting within the lp are almost always micro issues they're issues that we're going to see very detailed differences on and that we can have the conversation and i'm not against having the conversation what i'm against is stalling our movement with massive allies that have massive outreach in an era that we were completely swamped with overwhelming tyranny. Dude, sometimes it's, yeah, and it'll be so stupid, dude. I saw someone like uh, uh, posted today a thing where they're like, um, they they go, uh, they were talking about how me and Spike Cohen are definitely going to run for uh for the presidential nomination and the guy posted this long thing about how awful i am and how he's totally on spike cohen's team like i'm with spike cohen and i'm like okay first of all neither of us have decided that we're running in 2024 it's it's two years away neither of us are me and spike have talked about this neither of us have even thought about that like i I shouldn't say even thought about it we've thought about it but like none of us have decided whether we're fucking doing this or not right and the other thing is like we really like each other yeah like i don't know i'm like it's like okay so you're with spike great yeah i think spike's awesome I don't know. I yeah. like, I love that dude. So like, okay, fine, fine. Like this doesn't have to be like this thing. Like, it's, it's what do you mean? Like, you. like, yeah, it's like, dude, like we're like fucking like, dude, when me and Spike are at fucking events together, like we're right away, get locked in a conversation and we're laughing and we're agreeing and we're talking about everything. That's fucking great. And yeah, we have some issues we disagree on. I mean, we had a debate, you know, uh, the other month and then, we're still fine and we still talk and sometimes when we see things differently we'll talk about it and we'll message each other and he'll be like hey dude you know i see it like this and i'm like "Mm, okay i see what you're saying yeah it's like this he's convinced me on a few things that i was like ah you know what maybe you're right about this okay i gotta re-examine that you know but it's like this thing that it's like no i'm against you and i'm on his team he's like great dude so go support him so work your ass off for him and if he wants to fucking run go support him and that's okay great I don't know. What do we like? I'm your enemy. I'm your enemy. The guy no. who's friends with your guy. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Right. Like, so just like, let's let, like, let's all focus on what matters. And I will say this, that I've, I've said many times before that, like, if any, cause like my thing is pretty much like, I think the biggest focus of libertarians should be to spread the message. That's like been my thing for a long time that I think it's like, we're like in a, in a very, I guess, Christian sense that the best thing you can do right now is like to, you know, it's like, you know, the truth and you know, what's up and a whole lot of people don't know. So what you want to do is at least give them a chance to be exposed to this. And ultimately it's going to be their choice, whether they want to like embrace this or not, but that's, that's what you want to do. If you really know what's up and you know, what can save 
this society, then you want to at least tell as many people and tell them in the most compelling way that you can. So that's been my thing. Now, obviously, if we had real, you know, if we had the reins of power, then the move would be like to to destroy the power, roll back the power. But we don't really have that right now. We don't nearly have enough numbers. Right. Um, but so I'm like, but if any of the people, I mean, if like fucking any of the people who are like, so, you know, if Archie Flower or Nick Sarwalk or any of these guys, if they were really spreading the like message of libertarianism to a lot of people, I promise you. And I think everyone who listens to me knows this is true. I'd fucking give them credit for that. And I'd be very pleased that they were doing that. Even if I had to grit my teeth and go, oh, that guy's been so unfair to me. But you know what? He did just convince a whole lot of people to oppose this war or oppose this thing or all that, you know? But it's like, I feel yeah. like there's none of that is like reciprocated. Like, even like the people who like fucking hate me for like having the wrong person on my podcast or something like, you know, I'll see people but it's like, dude, I just like, I just kind of did a thing on Rogan's podcast and told everyone about the war in Yemen. Like, that was pretty cool, right? We're all right. against that. Are we not? Can I not at least? Fine. Don't, don't, you don't want me to be the presidential candidate or you don't want me to speak at a convention or something. Okay, fine. But like, that was pretty dope, right? Like, that was pretty yeah. dope the way I told everyone about that war and got a whole bunch that, of positive reactions. That was that, always, that's the problem with toxicity, though, is because yeah. once toxicity has become your primary variant of your bloodstream, you cannot allow. Yeah. For the person that you have created this toxic bloodstream towards to receive any credit. And that, that is inward focused. Yeah, that's it right. It is inward and, focused because it's so effing selfish. Well, that's, and that's why the, it's like first and foremost, you got to have a happy life. And that almost always enjoy, involves not being inwardly focused, right? Because no one exactly. really has a happy life if it's just themselves alone in Facts. a one-room apartment living alone, Facts. right? So, like, a happy life means whatever it means. It means other people being involved. Like, it means, like, yep. you know, I mean, typically to me it would mean, like, a marriage and children and stuff. But I, I suppose it doesn't have to be that. But it's it's it means a somewhat of a group, somewhat of a community living for other people. And when you have that, when you have a happy life, it's like it's much easier to not hang on to that toxicity. It's like, OK, yep. yeah, look, I got to give this other person credit for that, because like nothing really is going to matter like as much as. I don't know, like as much as like like to me, nothing's going to matter as much as my family, no matter what happens right. with anything. Right. else. Nothing's going to matter as much. Um, it's not going to matter how other people look at me as much as it's going to matter how my wife and my kids look at me like that's exactly. just the way it is. And so, yeah, it's, it's much easier to go like, hey, even if there's someone I was kind of bitter toward and for petty reasons, I'm not trying to suggest that I'm above the petty impulses. I am not like there is part of me that's like, yeah, the people who like, you know, I th I feel like have been really shitty to me. If they get embarrassed over something, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, you deserve that. But I can because I'm not completely consumed with that and that's not all I have to focus on. I can I can, you know, to some degree transcend that and go, okay, but you know, if there's something good they could do, that'd be really great. But I do try to like I try to um I think that, you know, I'm I'm very confident no one can predict the future with complete certainty, but the the Mises caucus is doing very good right now. And I'm very confident that 
you know, Angela McArdle is going to be the next chair of the Libertarian Party. I'm, I'm confident that the Mises Caucus is going to do very well over the next few months in the conventions that are coming up. And I do hope, like, I genuinely hope that a lot of the people, even the ones who are like, have been real enemies of the Mises Caucus and really been, you know, very harsh critics of them. I hope that a lot of them will be able to like, you know, find a way to, to come back, you know, to this, to this movement and, and, and kind of recognize, and it's gonna, it's not going to happen without some degree of self-reflection and going like, yeah, maybe you made this group of people like enemy number one who weren't really your enemies and that who really like, there really is a lot of enthusiasm toward a lot of the same goals that you have. Now, this might be like, you know, hopelessly naive on my part, because I know it's not going to happen with everybody. But I'll say this, that no matter how shitty anybody's been toward me, my mental door is open to anybody walking back through it. Like, there's nobody that I would say, like, could, like, oh, there's no way we could make this right. There's no way we could, like, you know, like, come to a situation. And, And I almost go, like, you know, I try to think about like some of these people, even the ones who have been like the the harshest on me, that I'm like, hey, wouldn't it be pretty badass if we like flipped the script on this whole thing and like came out of this like being like, ah, hey, you know what? Now we're fucking allies, even though we were the yeah. biggest enemies. Because wouldn't there be something powerful about that? That you're like, yes. man, even though we hate each other, we care so much about this priority and this issue that we're back to like we're both fighting for it together, like. Isn't that kind of a cooler story in a way? Like, you know, it's like that's, uh, you know, some of these people like fucking, I'm like, ah, oh, God damn it. Like, that'd be cool. I Like, I unblocked Archie Flower after he lost the chair nice. in Virginia because I just go, okay, you know what? Now that you lost and now that it's like you realize like, okay, your state just got taken over by the Mises Caucus. You got two options here, man. Like, what do you want to do? You want to leave or you want to flip this whole fucking thing? And go, okay, here's what would be really cool. Like, you were so critical of our movement. And now our movement took over your state that you used to be the chair in. So maybe we could prove to you that we're not really what you thought we were. And then you could flip around and be like, you know what? I thought they were this thing, but now they've proved to me they're not. And now we could like, like, let's fucking do something really badass here. That's just that to me, that's a cooler story than you just leave. And like, I, I always kind of root for everyone's redemption arc, you know, like, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, like, yeah. Fi- let's, like, like, let's, let's end this the way the movie is supposed to end, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's freaking spot on. I love the way you just laid that out because I am all about that redemption. And I will say this before we get off of here. Um, that is going to require a degree uh, in, in a major degree of uh, setting aside a lot of pride and a lot of potential uh, or ex-potential wrongdoing and being wrong and all of the things that make our pride tick the worst, which I am definitely some of the worst at being prideful. It's something I've had to work on for many, 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 many years, but what you're saying right now is absolutely spot on. There is one way that we can become a force 
for liberty in this country, in this country, supposed to represent that for the world. We're supposed to lead the world in this. Right now, we got 18 wheels to flatten the curve, apparently. They're leading the freaking world in liberty in Canada. Canada. We're supposed to do that. What's supposed to happen is that Americans are supposed to put their damn pride aside, embrace humility, and say, you know what? Maybe X, Y, and Z weren't the things that are of the greatest importance at this time. Maybe A, B, C I might have been wrong about. But you know what? This person, that person, and this person are clearly working towards the main goal of yeah. what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to walk out, and what we're supposed to represent on this earth. And we'll have to put our damn differences aside for five freaking minutes and make this happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. Hey, how old are you? 38. 38. I'm 39, right? So I think that's so perfect what you just said. Like, there's something about that that I think is almost like, I think younger people who might listen to this maybe wouldn't even understand it as much. But there's this thing where you go, but we're America. We're the United right. States of America. And that right. what that means is we're supposed to be free. And I think like that was like almost like an old thing that was like so ingrained in this country. I'm not sure it exists anymore. It used to be like a nonchalant, almost like saying like if someone came up to you, you know, if, if you were like at a bar and it, and there was like no one sitting next to you and someone went, oh, you mind if I sit here? And you'd go, it's free country. Like that was just kind of like a thing. Like, yeah, it's free country. You know what I mean? Like that was a, it's a free country. I don't even know if people have this attitude anymore. Um, and I, I think about this sometimes um, in South Park. I don't know if, if people don't get the reference. It's fine. You don't Love need to. South but Park. but there's the, when Randy Marsh is f getting in fights and the cops arrest him and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I thought this was America. You know? And OK, like they're making fun of him. He's being ridiculous. Like, I thought this was America. I can fist fight people anywhere I want to. Right, right, but right. the point is that that would be a thing you'd say. Like the older generation would go, oh, I thought this was America. You can't just fucking arrest me for some shit. This is America. And it's almost like this has kind of been lost. And that's what we we need to recapture. Like this this feeling that it's like, you know, why are you know, why is someone allowed to say this or allowed to do this? Why are you not why are you allowed to not get vaccinated or to, to, to take a mask off your face? And it's like, because this is the United States of America. That's yes. why. That's why that's I'm why. allowed to do this. Because I don't have to ask your permission because this is America. Like we need that that like spirit has to come back. And that's like a big thing that I that's what I try to push on everybody. Like I'm you know, people will be like, oh, you made this joke or something like that. or something. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a comedian in the United States of America. I will joke about whatever I want to or talk about exactly. whatever I want to live my life however I want to. That's it. And we need so much. And, and that is exactly right. That feeling that it's like Canadian truckers, man, we're going to let Canadian truckers beat us in this right. freedom game. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, fuck that, dude. Really? Yeah. Like and this yeah. and um, and I wonder if I, I don't know if like the, the younger generation has as much of that as we have. Like, I think they have more of this kind of like this is like, well, this is, you know. This is offensive kind of thing. And so that's what libertarians, if there's something we need to flip, like culturally, that's what we need to flip it back to like the starting point being that the presumption is that we are free men. That's the starting yeah. point that we all should be, you know, like, like going th th that that's where that's where we all uh, begin the conversation.
is that well obviously yeah, yeah. the presumption is we're all free men yeah it, it's incredible to incredible to me that after just a short not even decade we have forgotten that america set the standard for what society is supposed to operate and look like in yeah. western society no other con no other country had constitutional rights yeah. before we did and now you can damn near look to every western society on this globe they all have a constitution they'll have rights now whether they abide by those constitutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rights, I mean, yes we don't no. really either, but still, it's still. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, dude, go read. I mean, look at this is what's so interesting about the struggle. And like, I'm, I'm an ANCAP, like personally, like I don't believe in government at all. I think that, I think that if you're, if you believe in the non-aggression principle and private property rights and and self ownership, that eventually, right. logically, that just leads you to like, okay, like a, a stateless yeah. society. However. Even I can say, you know, you look at the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights and you go, it's pretty damn good. Like that's, right. I mean, if you're just reading those documents, you go, that is pretty damn good. It may not be exactly perfect what I want, but you're like, geez, that is really good. Like Close. it's a really, really good start. And it's crazy to be in this country where we're considered these radicals because we actually believe in our founding documents right. and like, you right. know, it's, it's like such a, it's, it's really something like out of a movie or something where you're like, Oh, really we're, is. we're the radical ones. We're just trying to convince you what you all claim to believe in is actually correct. Like, except yeah, yeah. we just actually believe it. Like we actually, right. you know, if they'll be like, Oh, Congress shall write no law that abridges the freedom of speech. It's like, by that, we mean no law. No, like, we really mean no. not anything, you know? Um, and so it's uh, anyway, it's like a, a wild ride. And I think that um, libertarians should, you know, w we should embrace how fun this whole thing can be, you know, yeah. and it, that doesn't mean That's it's not good. scary and it's not dangerous, but it's like, man, you know, like I'd rather not live in like boring times. I'd rather live in an exciting time when there's really something to fight yeah. for. And there's like, there's a, there's, um, there, you know, like there, there's peace in the struggle and there's meaning right. in the struggle. And like, so that's great. So we get to live in these times where we get to fight for something that really matters. What a fucking blessing. And so, you know, like that's, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, let's, let's all like come together over that. And I think that overall, this has been, um, you know, uh, uh, particularly, uh, Jeremy Todd and Reed Coverdale, um, and, and David fight also, they they all started at the very beginning of uh, 2021. Th those were the guys who really pushed me to be like, hey, let's like try to like start this like liberty unity movement. And um, that we, we pushed that for a while and then everyone started like kind of fighting and it degenerated a little yeah. bit. But I do think overall it um, I think I, I actually think it's going in a very good direction. And I'm really happy with where where the liberty movement is at. And I think that. Some of the more toxic figures who are like, you know, more like, you know, like deranged and critics and just won't accept anything, you know, other than like the, these people are Nazis or something. I think that um, I hope that a lot of them are going to kind of like step back from that. And if not, then that's OK. Then they'll they'll just yep. kind of leave over the next yep. you know few months. But I think the vast majority of people are really together. And I represent a different, you know, um, a different 
style and brand of libertarianism than even Spike Cohen does, and certainly a different brand than Justin Amash does. Um, and certainly a different brand than Joe Jorgensen does and some of these other people, but all of us get along. None of us, like none of us hate each other. None of us see each other as the enemies. And that's kind of like, to me, I go like, okay, that's good. That's really, really good. So then let's have a healthy competition about like what, what direction we should all go in. And then let's try to figure it all out together. I think that's, I think that's, that's pretty good if you ask me. No, and I think that's excellent. <laughs> Honestly, it's the actual only reasonable, practical pathway forward to make this movement successful. Because America wants this movement to success yeah. to be successful. Maybe they'll understand the libertarian philosophy to its fullest. That's expected, right? Expectedly so. But they understand in their heart of hearts these inherent rights that the Bill of Rights guarantees us. The Constitution is supposed to grant us. We don't get our rights from these pieces of paper. They guarantee these rights that we have and we know in the deepest parts of our souls that we deserve and that we have to fight for. We have to fight for. And I pray to God that the fight remains on podcasts and remains influential among opinions in the battlefield and battleground of ideas. Because if we don't quickly figure this out in conversation like you and I are having, like you've had with so many people, so, so much many more influential people than I have, then it's going to turn violent. And we can't have that because there, I know personally, there's a lot of pissed off, quote unquote, red blooded Americans that, you know what, you're just not going to tell them that you're going to throw them in internment camps and take away their kids for any reason whatsoever before they go and take up their bajillion arms in in their basement and kill you for it. Yeah. So um... there has to be a peaceful resolution and it has to be immediate. And I think you're leading, you're you're obviously one of the main characters of leading this effort. Well, that's the goal, man. And I think you hit the nail on the head right there is that it's like, you know, sometimes I'll even see these uh, people, you know, it's like even people in like our camp kind of who will be like, you know, Americans, uh, we got all these guns and we didn't use them over the last two years. And it's like, yeah, no, dude, we don't want people to use them. Like our goal, our goal here is to diffuse this situation. That's what libertarianism is all about. We're the philosophy of peace. That's what we're here to do. We're here to declare a truce. And even for the evil people in the government, what we, we are not here to say, oh, we want everyone to fucking like round them up and start publicly hanging them or something like that. We want what we want is to declare a truce here. We want to defuse yes. this situation and have peace. And a lot of those people who are, you know, it's easy to tweet about how you want to see this like violent confrontation. They don't want to see that. That's no. not what they want. You don't want to see a civil war. You don't want to see that. You don't want to hold your buddy's head in your lap while he bleeds out and cries for his mom. That's not, you don't want right. that. And so like, it's, it's like, that's our goal here. And as you said, it's like, this thing could turn violent very easily. And we're still in a position here where we can still talk about this and we can still like promote our ideas. And yeah, 
let's really try to do that while we still have the opportunity to, because there's no guarantee that that'll be that way for much longer. No, and, and yeah, I don't know how much longer that I don't know that it's guaranteed at all. But yeah. we have this moment in time, in space right now, to where we can work this out. And I am in, in, in we're at two hours now, so I, I don't want to, we need to have another conversation about this. I should have brought it up earlier. I'm in full favor of an absolute national divorce, ASAP, secession, if that needs to happen, whatever that we can do. I'm a veteran. I'm a wartime veteran and a medical professional within the military. I, they, we can't do this. We can't. These people advocating for war, they don't know what the they're talking about yeah. they don't know what this means they don't know how badly this destroys societies families and communities and nations this is we can't we cannot yeah. we have to resolve this with communication and peace and we have to do it now and i can't think uh, this was a rabbit troll rabbit trail. <laughs> i was totally not trying to get down to two hours into it but really the the basis of that whole um the concept that I just brought up recently that I shouldn't have was that thank you for, for trying to have this conversation in the influential circles that you have, because we have to, we have to. Yeah. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you for having me on the show, man. And I'm, I'm, you know, I love talking about this stuff and I think we're all, yeah. it's not like, you know, it's, we're, we're all doing our part, uh, to try to like elevate this conversation. And I'm like, I, uh, you know, in, in many ways, I happen to be like kind of in the right place at the right time. And that's why I've been able to be on some of these bigger, you know, uh, uh, shows. But I benefit so much from like all the people in, in this movement yeah. who I talk to. So thank you very much. I really enjoyed this, man. I hope we let, let's do it again sometime. Oh, you bet. For sure. Absolutely. Not to mention, I will see you in PA in like freaking what? Two weeks? Less oh, yeah. than two weeks. Absolutely. About two Hell weeks yeah. or so. Two weeks, so. I think. I think two weeks. Yeah. Uh, about two weeks so <laughs> i would love to have you back on and we can talk about whatever again um this is just open format conversation i absolutely loved every second dude you are amazing thank you so much you have my full support and um can't wait to see you in pa bro hell yeah dude can't wait yeah appreciate it man all right yeah you too thanks for having me yes sir Absolutely amazing. Thank you, Dave, for coming on two freaking hours. I was not expecting that. Not at all. I'm never expecting two hours, to be honest with you. But I told him before the show, or I asked him, really. We talked, and I was like, man, look, I don't even care what we talk about. Let's just talk about whatever. Let's just have a fun conversation, and let's see where it goes. Because, you know what? I am so freaking tired of all of these people trying to cause this division. All of these people call it. There's way too many prepositions there. I apologize. Anyway, you get what the po you get the point I'm trying to say here. I am uh, I'm tired. This was a great conversation. Dave is a good dude. You don't want to get on board with that? Fine. Then go do your thing. But please, for the love of God, stop causing animosity with everyone else. We have things to take care of. And some of y'all's priorities aren't exactly in the right place. I support Dave. Now, obviously, if Spike runs, he's got my support. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about support and the fact of, of who's running for president and who the hell is going to get 4.6% of the vote in the federal election. 
Not my concern. Don't care. I'm saying these people have my support because they are putting their boots on the ground. They're putting their reputations on the line. They're putting their mouths out in front. And we they need our support because they have the influence. And they represent us. Critique them when they're wrong. But support them when they're right. And for the vast majority of these people, they're right. For the vast majority of the time. So, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much. I love you very much. I will see you possibly in Arkansas. I don't know. We'll see, right? We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. I'm driving. They rented a car for me, so I'll be we'll be leaving out about hmm 3, 3.30 tomorrow probably to be driving up to Little Rock. And I'll be speaking at that convention there. So there's a high probability or a high possibility that I'll bring my podcast equipment with me. And we may do a podcast up there. Angela McCardle will be there. Tony DeRazio will be there and myself and many, many, many other people. So with that being said, I don't know when I'll see you next, but it will be the same Cajun channel and it will be the most loving Cajun time. You people are freaking absolutely amazing. I cannot express to you how much I love you very, very, very much. Good night.